Hey everybody, you're listening to Life Below the Surface, presented by Carriage Kia. The podcast where we take you on a deeper dive into the lives of the animals at Georgia Aquarium and the people who care for them. Coming up on this episode. Certainly my standout moments is being in the Cocos Islands in Costa Rica, underwater and looking up and seeing not one speck of sky because of the number of hammerheads swimming above, like thousands of hammerheads. And I had the opportunity to do a blood draw on our whale shark, Yushan. And in that moment, you're swimming up to this really large creature and being able to accomplish that and knowing that the blood work was going to help tell us something about the animal and his health, but also go to research to help whale sharks in the wild. That's a moment that is really memorable for me and really sticks out. I'm Josh Blaylock. For the past 20 years, I've been in the zoological community. I was an animal care specialist for 15 of those years, caring for sea lions, dolphins, otters, walruses, birds, and a wide variety of different species. And now I'm very happy to be the senior manager of exhibits and projects here at Georgia Aquarium. In this podcast, I'm going to introduce you to some of my amazing co-workers and tell you some behind-the-scenes stories of how Georgia Aquarium works. This is Life Below the Surface, presented by Carriage Kia. Life Below the Surface is presented by Carriage Kia in Woodstock. Carriage is Georgia's leading Kia dealer and one of the top dealers in the entire nation. Service, community, and education are hallmarks of Carriage Kia in Woodstock. When it's time for you to lease or purchase your new vehicle, we hope you'll consider Carriage Kia in Woodstock. Check them out 24-7 at carriagekiawoodstock.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode. I'm really excited about today's episode because we're being joined by several expert guests who are here today to talk about a very, very, very important topic, women in science. I'm being joined by Dr. Lisa Hoops, the Director of Research and Conservation, Kim Stone, the Director of Fish and Invertebrates, and Leah Neal, Curator of Fish and Invertebrates. Ladies, welcome to Life Below the Surface. Thanks for having us, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Happy to be here. All right. Happy to have you guys here. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is kind of like a panel discussion. It's kind of the first time in this Life Below the Surface podcast where we've actually had so many guests. So we're going to get the chance to really kind of dive into each one of your kind of unique and individual stories. And yeah, so I'm excited. Let's just jump right into it. So I'm actually going to start, Lisa, with you. So each one of you has your own kind of special, unique and inspiring career journey. Could you just tell us a little bit about kind of how you got started? Yeah, absolutely. I think my interest in marine biology and all things ocean started as a child. And I think that's maybe a common theme for a lot of us. I grew up in Michigan, um, always outside catching snakes and frogs and um, spending time in lakes. And so animals were a very easily identified career path for me. And really it was watching Jacques Cousteau as a kid I'm aging myself a bit there, that really inspired me to go the marine route instead of a more freshwater route. And so that's what started the journey. Went off to grad school, studied marine biology, studied a bunch of very cool marine creatures, and eventually found my way here to the George Aquarium. So it was fortuitous and feel very lucky to have the job that I have now. Awesome. Leah, why don't you tell us about your journey to uh, Georgia Aquarium here? 
I grew up in Rochester, New York, so a little bit of water, but not really near the ocean. But I always loved being in the water as a kid. Uh, my mom couldn't get me out of the pool. So I started competitively swimming at eight and just always really loved the water. I went off to school to study biology and thought I might be a doctor or something like that. Where I went to school in Boston has a co-op program where you can work for six months and then you go to school for six months. And they had a panel of people come and talk about all the different jobs that could be done. And one of them was diving at the New England Aquarium. And I said, I want to do that. So I went home that summer and said, Mom, I need to get scuba certified. And she said, where are you going to do that? So I did that. And to this day, she'll say it's the best investment that she's ever made because she paid for it. I did not. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. And Kim, how about you? Yes. So when I was growing up, I actually come from a military family and background. So we moved around a lot, but we were fortunate to live next to the ocean pretty much my entire life. So I kind of had that exposure from day one and I grew up with animals just my entire life. So I actually used to ride horses and work on a farm. And so I've always had this like strong connection and love for animals in general, similar to Lisa, you know, just, you know, finding the turtle crossing the street and helping it out or the baby bird kind of thing. And I just always gravitated to the ocean. It was kind of my calming, peaceful place. And so when I went to school, I just had the opportunity to study it. And I was living in Virginia Beach, Virginia, at the time when I was in college. And um, I was fortunate enough to start my career in public aquariums fairly young. I was like in high school when I started volunteering. I mean, I started working as a volunteer, as a docent out in front of the habitats and working birthday parties and out on the trail. And and I actually even worked at the IMAX theater at the building there too. So, and I've just worked my way up and stuck with it. And here I am today at the Georgia Aquarium. That's awesome. I think it's really cool to hear, especially for our listeners out there, that all three of you, basically, this is this is kind of what you wanted to do. And you worked your whole lives to get where you are. And all three of you are, it's, you know, uh, this is definitely a, a compliment. It's, it's extremely true. All three of you are extremely prominent, you know, people here in this organization, in this aquarium. So that's really cool. And hopefully can be inspiring to some listeners out there that if you're really committed to getting into this field or, or, or caring for animals or doing research, things like that, that almost a vast majority of us here had that same dream and decided to pursue it. So that's really awesome. And I guess for some of those listeners out there as well, who have this kind of career in mind, and Leah, you can kind of start us off here. Like, what is it a day in the life of the curator of fish and invertebrates. A day in the life is really managing the team that takes care of the exhibits. So making sure they know what their tasks are for the day, or if we have any medical procedures or annual exams going on, doing a lot of scheduling animal health with the vets so that we can keep track of the health and feeding and nutrition of all the animals, fielding a lot of questions and just making sure everything moves moves smoothly. All right, Kim, how about you? My role here at Georgia Aquarium as director is working, you know, side by side with Leah here with the entire fish and invertebrate team at the building. So I have the opportunity to help the team for their needs to accomplish what Leah just described, but then also kind of help direct kind of the future of where the departments and the galleries and the exhibitry is going as well too, um, and to help facilitate that, which, you know, which ultimately is 
you know, going behind our mission here at the Georgia Aquarium and educating the, the guests that come through our doors and how can we connect to them to share our love and hopefully get them in love with the ocean and all of the marine life and fresh water and all of the inhabitants that we have here to show and tell their stories. So I kind of help at a larger, higher level scale of that mission based with the team. Awesome. So Kim, that actually brings up a really good point. And that's at the end of the day, everything that we do, and even the three of you kind of have have different positions here in the aquarium. But at the end of the day, everything that we do all comes down to our guests and being able to inspire them, being able for them to come and see these incredible animals from whale sharks and belugas and mantas, things like that. But not only does their visit kind of help inspire them and make that connection in person, it also does something that very few people actually know when they visit and that it helps actually fund our research and conservation, which is ultimately a huge part of that mission as well, is that the things that we do here in Atlanta have repercussions worldwide. And that's pretty cool. So Lisa, I'm going to ask you that same question, but I'm gonna give you a couple parameters here. Okay. <laughs> so, cause we're going to get into your jet setting adventures, <laughs> Indiana Jones esque uh, <laughs> lifestyle here in just a second. But that same question of what is your day to day? Like give us a day to day of Dr. Lisa hoops on site. Yeah, I was going to say my day-to-day is highly variable, but here on site, my day-to-day could be really moving our on-site research programs forward, um, engaging with my team and making sure that they are on track to have all the resources they need to do some great research and conservation. But also, you know, sharing the conservation message with the staff on site, making sure that they know some of the great works that we're doing too. So on-site can be highly variable, but offsite, that's where the action happens for a lot of us. And we'll get to that here in just a little <laughs> bit. And you actually, you touched on a very good point there, Lisa, is that all three of you, but Lisa in, in particular, because you just brought it up, you know, over the years, a vast majority of the conversations you and I have had, and this, is, this isn't this is going to be anything new to all three of you, you guys, mm-hmm. I'm a huge shark nerd. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when, you know, I found out you were going out with O-Search and stuff like that, I remember just Hi, you Dr. Lisa? It's like, <laughs> I'm Josh. I work with the sea lions here. Can you tell me about O-Search? I was so excited. And uh, yeah, you're so awesome. You, you know, we've been able to talk about that over the years. And that's always been something cool because a, you know, a lot of the people that, that work here kind of see that type of thing, you know, that a Georgia Aquarium representative is going out there and doing those really cool things. And I, it, uh, it inspires me now as we kind of design different exhibits to really help tell that, that story of that when you're visiting here, it's benefiting out there and it's giving you and your team the ability to, to do this in, incredible research out in the field. But we'll get to that in just, in just a little bit. I'm, I'm saving that one. That's a, <laughs> it's a pretty cool topic there. So that's cool. So that is all three of your kind of day-to-day kind of experiences, but all of you have been in the field for a very long time. And with today's topic kind of being women in science, unfortunately, there are still struggles that are faced by women today in the science field. We can honestly just come right out and say that it is still happening in this very day and age. Unfortunately, yeah, you guys are welcome to answer this however detailed you would like to. But Lisa, I'll kind of start with you. Can you kind of tell us about a a struggle or something you've had to, to overcome being a woman in science? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think while women, visible role models in women in science is improving over the years. When I started out as a graduate student, there weren't many women advisors or instructors to really choose from for mentors. So most of my early mentors are men, which is great. They've been supportive and really helped me get to where I am in my career. But I think Part of what makes that accessible is seeing people like yourself doing the job that you eventually want to do. So I think some of the early struggles for me were my master's work was heavily field intensive, and there were times when I was told that I couldn't go in the field because it wasn't safe for a woman to be in the field, or you couldn't do the job that they wanted to send the men in the field to do. And that that was incredibly frustrating to me and something I pushed against and pushed through and managed to, to, to get into the field and do the things that I needed to do and really prove myself. And so I think that's slowly changing all for the good. And hopefully the three of us, um, and I, I know this to be true, are, are great mentors for others coming up in the field. And I think that's really key is to share your experiences and pay it forward to the next generation so that they have access to see strong and successful women in the field that they want to be in. Very cool. Leah, what about you? Has there, has there been anything along your kind of career path that kind of jumps out as, as, as a struggle you've had to, to overcome to get you know, to where you are right now? Sure. I think um, in general, when you're taking care of animals, there's a very emotional aspect to it. And I think there's the perception when you're an animal caretaker and you're a female that you're going to make decisions that come from an overly emotional place and not necessarily from a place of what is best for the animal or what the behavior is. So that's been a struggle to make sure that you're covering the basis of all aspects of what is going on with a certain animal and not portraying emotion over what could be done or needs to be done. Awesome. And Kim, what about you? Um, I think my experience has been when I first started out in this industry, working on the fish and invertebrate side of public aquariums, it was actually a very male-dominated area when it came to the field. Teams that worked with the mammals within public aquarium there were a lot of females on that side. Just to give you an example, so when we first start out in the field, the title of our job that we have is an aquarist. That's what we're called, um, that take care of the animals, the fish and invertebrate side. So as a new aquarist in this field, I joined a team at a previous facility prior to Georgia Aquarium, and out of a team of 13 aquarists, there were two females, myself and one other. And so it was definitely noticed, and I realized, wow, you know, there's not a lot of women on this side of the operation. So if you look at how many males were in that area, there were none that were in management or in the upper part of the facility. So it took a while for me to be able to kind of persevere through that. And it really wasn't hard to persevere, just my personality. I was like, well, I'm here and this is what I want to do and I'm doing it, you know? <laughs> right. So it really didn't matter to me, to be honest. It didn't phase me in any way. I just wanted to learn and do my job. But then when I knew that I wanted to potentially move up in the field and stay in this field, it was, you know, like Lisa mentioned, you know, 
Where's the role model? Who can I relate to that's up there? And finally, I found that person. And I did have an amazing mentor who was a female in this field, in this career that I'm still in touch with. And I look back and if it wasn't for her and showing me that, yes, to stick with it and you can have the same opportunity here as everybody else, you know, so I was very fortunate to have that. But it, it was a struggle, you know, when you're working in fish and inverts, you're working with a lot of animals that typically, you know, for instance, doing a physical on a large sawfish, when you're on a team of all men, where's the female gonna be? Probably taking notes in the beginning, right? Well, luckily for me with my mentor, I was on the head of the shark. Like she didn't see me, she didn't see males and females, she saw Aquarius. And so I've taken that mentality myself and that's how I've been able to manage in, you know, in the future myself. Very cool. I know that wasn't probably easy for all three of you to share. I mean, that's a, kind of a very personal question there. One thing, as I was kind of looking into this topic a little bit more, kind of in preparation for this episode, it kind of took me back to the, as we were going through the different content and storyline ideas for the new Sharks Gallery, which is something that I worked on for quite a few years. It was extremely important as we kind of learned about different shark research and things like that, that there was one individual, Dr. Eugenie Clark, that Dr. Eugenie Clark was kind of that amazing role model in that field that was very, very male dominated. And she ended up kind of rewriting the script on how people perceive sharks to this day. So it was extremely important. And I'm really proud that we actually were able to do it, that the lead off of the fear to fascination story arc of the sharks gallery, it all starts with Eugenie Clark and everything that she did. So, and it's really cool that, you know, she is inspiring not just a generation of female scientists, but she's inspiring everybody for what she overcame. And it's the it's the same with, with you guys as well. You know, Leah and Kim, I know that your team, they look up to you guys and what you guys do and that you guys are setting an amazing example for them as they pursue their careers. And, and Dr. Lisa, the same thing with your team and being able to set those examples and, and kind of keep that going. So. With all that being said, with those particular struggles, you know, within the next five to 10 years, as things continue to hopefully progress, and Lisa, I'll start here with you. What are some areas that still need to be worked on? And let's go more specifically into the kind of the field research side of things for, for your question. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, while we've come a long way as women in this field, we, we still have a way to go and to bring women of color along with us on that journey. So seeing diversified faces at conferences and in the field and in, in the field of marine conservation or marine biology, um, we're not there yet. And that's because there are some barriers to access for some of those folks in this field. So I think that's the next big push for us is to be allies and to amplify the voices of everybody that wants to be in this field, regardless of their color or their background or how they identify. So I think we have a ways to go. And that is kind of where I see the next big push is to make make this field accessible to everybody. Kim, how about you? Well, Lisa said it very well just there, to be honest. Um, I think it's extremely important. I'll basically ditto what Lisa said. It's, it is very important to provide the opportunities for all women, no matter what their background 
or economic background is, especially in this field. When you look at what we do and what we have, to, the requirements for even an entry-level position to be a diver, that's a lot. That's a huge investment. It takes a lot of money mm-hmm. in investment. You know, I know Leah mentioned that earlier in the conversation as well as far as the opportunity she had and support that she had from her family and her mother. Not everybody has that support structure, you know, with them at times. So it's supporting those um, in whatever way they need it and supporting women in whatever way they need it and being able to give opportunities, whether it's even just exposure to what we do and opportunities to kind of work side by side with us to even see, is this something that interests them? Or by coming in and having time working side by side with us, maybe it piques an interest in another area of our operation that they didn't even know existed, I think is extremely important to support in that way. That's a very good point. I think you two both covered that pretty well. So Leah, for your kind of question here, you know, you, you had mentioned earlier that uh, a majority of your job is very staff. I mean, obviously the animals are, are the focus, but it's taking care of the staff that takes care of the animals. So with you in your in your position now as as curator, what's something that you try to implement that might have been something that wasn't implemented when you first started for for women in, in your field trying to you know continue to progress and advance their career? I was thinking about it as Kim and, and Lisa were talking. I think this relates to women, but also just the staff in general. Something that is very specific to kind of the fish and invert side is that everybody expects that you're going to fall in love with a dolphin and you're going to fall in love with a beluga and you're going to fall in love with a sea lion. And they don't necessarily have the same kind of feelings towards the fish. But our staff does. And I think like coming up in the field and coming up with a group of men that were managing it is a very kind of stoic environment. And when you lose an animal, if it's a mammal, it was okay to show your emotion. And it wasn't okay for fish. And I think that's something that Kim and I are trying to change right now for all of our staff, women included, is that we do care for the animals and we do have to keep it professional, but we care about them and you should be allowed to express that. I kind of got a chill as you were saying. That's a very, I mean, it's a very good point. It's something that you, you wouldn't actually you know, it's just something you don't normally think about, but it's true, you know, lo- losing an animal or being in those type of, of situations is never easy. That's a great, great perspective on it. Now it's time for Fin Files, everybody. The part of the show where we're gonna dive deeper into the unique and unknown about our animals here at Georgia Aquarium. I'm here with our resident fun fact experts. That would be Carly and Kelsey. I'm ready to dive in, ladies, what we have today. So today, I love that you guys are talking about women in science, a topic very near and dear to my heart. So you can't talk about women in science without the animal fact about morning geckos. So I don't know if you know this about morning geckos, but their populations are almost completely female. Every once in a while, there's a male born, but they're actually not needed at all for breeding. So the morning geckos reproduce through parthenogenesis, which is actually just having an egg that's already fertilized and basically just duplicating themselves. So being that they are females, they're gonna mostly reproduce other females because it's just that exact genetic material replicated over again, which is a pretty cool fact. The morning geckos here, are a little elusive, so you don't get to see them all the time. But if you're in Aquanaut Adventure, definitely take a look for them. The morning gecko name also is fun. It's morning like sadness, morning, because it said that they're mourning the loss of the males of their species. 
But are they though? Are they though? Great question. <laughs> well, I mean, to, to borrow a line from one of my favorite movies, and Carly, I know it's one of your favorites, as the animal kingdom proves time and time again, the more we research it, is that life finds a way. That is a very, very cool fact. All right. Thank you so much. Guys, you want to check out the morning geckos. As Kelsey said, make sure you head up to Aquanaut Adventure right here at Georgia Aquarium. We'll see you on the next Fin Files, everybody. Ladies, thank you very much. So as we kind of talk about that, that next generation that you guys are, are currently cultivating, all three of you. So, and Lisa, I'll, I'll direct this one to you. What are some of your, like, especially for the field research, what are some of your hopes that say after you retire and pass the baton, where do you want to see your field in say 20 years? Wow, that's a big question. Yeah, okay, um, 10 years. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, going back to diversity i would love to see the accessibility for everybody that wants to be in this field have access to it and and so i think we're starting that journey here by creating a paid internship program so that it is more equitable and um, provides opportunities for those that used to have to pay to play for those types of internships. So that's something that I'm really excited about. We're kicking that off this year within our research and conservation group. We've got four interns that we're working through. And I hope that that inspires somebody that maybe thought they couldn't do this career because they didn't have the opportunity or the access. I hope that inspires them to stick with it and continue down the path. That's really my hope for the field in the next 10 plus years beyond. Yeah. Awesome. And Lee, I'm going to start with you on this one. What advice would you give to, you know, say someone that watched you and Kim and your, and your team on, on Animal Planet, uh, on the aquarium, or that might be listening to this, or that might have met you on a tour or something here? What's some advice that you would give to the next generation of youngsters? I think my greatest advice is just if you're interested in it, pursue it and persevere. Get scuba certified, first of all, and it's super fun. But yeah, find ways to do it. I started through a paid internship that was for minority students. I didn't get the one I wanted right away, but got my foot in the door somewhere else and worked my way into the position that I wanted. So I think just show hard work and stick to it. Awesome. Kim, what about you? Advice for the next up-and-coming director of Fish and Vertebrates. The next advice for the next director is really just go for it just any idea you have throw it out there I mean at this point nothing is too crazy right I mean look at this beautiful facility that we work at we have whale sharks that are with us in Ocean Voyager whale sharks manta rays and it doesn't have to be huge on that scale it can be something small, but this industry, even though public aquariums has a very long history in the United States, it's still, I feel, in its infancy when it comes to husbandry. There are a lot of things that we've learned, the, a lot of things that the animals have taught us. The key is to listen to them and just go for it the sky's the really the limit mm. i mean whale sharks <laughs> seriously right so yeah. that's all i have to say no so, that's i mean so you never know 
<laughs> you never Fortune know. favors the bold. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, what, what's amazing about what you just said there, Kim, is I've known you. I've known all three of you ladies for years. And just hearing you say, go for it. Got me a little jazzed up. I'm not going to lie. That's awesome. I mean, that, and you want to talk about inspiration. That's what it's all about. It's about getting that next, that next group in here. And it's the next generation. It's the, you know, they always say, you know, kids are going to inherit everything that we do, good and bad. And it's hopefully that there are so many people out there that have the same kind of passions that, that you three do. It really kind of inspires that next generation to, to really want to take care of the animals and, and to take care of our ocean. So it's with that inspiration in mind and nothing is more inspiring or kind of gives you almost that uh, little bit of FOMO, you know, that fear of missing out than a cool anecdotal story about a a job that you're possibly interested in. So Leah, I'm going to start here with you. Just think back to your career. Think back to Georgia Aquarium. What's like top moment of your career? Let's hear it. Uh, There are so many moments. I've been really lucky to do a lot of really cool things, but I think in thinking about that specifically at Georgia Aquarium, I'll touch on what Kim just said, and that's we have whale sharks. And I had the opportunity to do a blood draw on our whale shark, Yushan, and in that moment, you're swimming up to this really large creature, and being able to accomplish that and knowing that the blood work was going to help tell us something about the animal and his health, but also go to research to help whale sharks in the wild. That's a moment that is really memorable for me and really sticks out. That's awesome. Kim, what about you? What's on the top list? What someone said, hey, what's the coolest thing you think you've ever experienced? Let's hear it. Well, mine is whale shark related as well. I'm seeing a trend Um, here. Yes, I do love all of the animals here at Georgia Aquarium. But when I look back to a moment where I was like, Oh my, it was when I was out on a boat with a coworker off the coast of Taiwan and I met a whale shark for the first time in Taiwan and I remember sitting down looking at the mountains of the island and it was like, holy cow, how in the world did I get here? Like I'm here, I'm in Taiwan, really? I mean, this is a little girl from Key West, Florida, and military family, and I'm in Taiwan on a boat. That was my highlight of my life. That's pretty cool, actually. That's pretty cool, and it's a it's an unbelievably good segue because I wasn't sure how I was going to do it. So thank you for that transition. <laughs> Speaking of on the boat out in the middle of nowhere, Lisa, what would be of all the pins on the globe that you've been <laughs> for your job? You know, you can kind of sum it up. What's some of the crazy adventures of Dr. Hoops, a new series coming up on, on Animal Planet, I feel. Some of the crazy adventures. Well, I am very fortunate that I, I get to go to some far-flung regions of the world to study sharks and rays and other things that I love. So I'm very, very lucky. Certainly my standout moments is being in the Cocos Islands in Costa Rica underwater and looking up and seeing not one speck of sky because of the number of hammerheads swimming above, like thousands of hammerheads. It's one of the sharkiest places in the world and just just thinking of like the incredible diversity and, and how lucky I am to, to get to see this and everybody should have the chance to to get underwater and and see that sight so that's an inspiring moment one of many 
Yeah, that's very, very cool. All right. So as we're wrapping up here, you know, I just want to say thank you very much for you guys. You know, your, your honesty in this episode has been amazing. You guys have given me chills just listening to your story, honestly. And I've known you guys for so long. So I really hope that some of our listeners out there can be inspired by what you guys have said. And I guarantee you that a vast majority of them actually have been. This is kind of an open-ended question because whoever might know the answer is welcome to answer. Say we have a, a, a young lady visitor that is interested in, in learning more about kind of women in science or about the different kind of female staff members and employees or the three of you, is there a resource that you guys know of or a way that they can get more information about this sort of topic? Well, certainly start with the Georgia Aquarium website. That's a, that's a good place to start to figure out some of the great people that we have on staff and the different roles that we have here at the aquarium. I think you'd be surprised at some of the different tasks that people do in this building. And I think you're going to highlight those on your podcast, which is very exciting. So I would certainly start there. You can also see a snippet of some of the research and conservation that we do um, at the aquarium. Another thing too is here at the Georgia Aquarium is honestly just volunteering as soon as you have an opportunity to. And some facilities like the George Aquarium even has a teen volunteer program. So like myself, starting out very young, just being able to get into the organization some way, even as volunteering, to kind of have that exposure. And the key is once you're in there and you and you see and you learn about you know some of the staff that are on site like Lisa Leah myself and others the thing is is just come talk to us we are absolutely a hundred percent approachable and just come find us reach out in any way to anybody at any facility that you're working at. Because I guarantee you, if a little girl walked up to any one of us and asked us, how do you do what you do? Oh, we'll be there for hours talking (laughs) to them. So that's the thing. We're here and we're ready to help anybody and any young lady that comes through that door. That's awesome. And I can actually vouch for that as well. I've seen you guys talking to young ladies throughout the aquarium. And it's, it is, it's a, it's an awesome moment. It's extremely inspiring. And yeah, that's really cool. Leah, did you have anything to add? I was just going to follow up on what Kim had to say. And if you're a visitor or you're from out of town, just ask further. We're behind the scenes. So a lot of times people don't think they can come and find us, but ask any of our front guest facing staff and we'd be happy. In the end, all of the animal care teams love nothing more than to talk about what they do. So if you're able to find one, uh, we'll absolutely be happy to talk about it. As a former animal care person myself, I can 100% vouch for that because even after you leave that particular field of this industry, it's still something that sticks with you forever. And uh, yeah, that's very important. So, Josh, I've got one more for you. Absolutely. Go for it. The Gills Club. Gills Club is a Facebook organization that was started by a bunch of uh, great shark scientists, ladies, um, and it's a resource for to get young girls interested in all things sharky. So they do these great programs all over the country and at zoos and aquariums. So check out Gills Club if you have a young lady in your life that is passionate about all things sharks. So that's my recommendation there. Awesome. And just a little anecdote to tie on to that. Gills Club is actually featured in the Sharks Gallery. So if you're a guest visiting, please come check out the Global Stories Interactive at the very end of Shark because we do have Gills Club represented 
represented in there. We also have MIS, which is Minorities in Shark Science, listed in there. And then we also have my good friends at the American Shark Conservancy, which is an entirely female scientific-led shark conservation organization there. So some great resources around the building for you guys all to check out. Ladies, all three of you, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you guys had a good time. And uh, I definitely see that this is this is maybe part one. I see a little <laughs> trend here of that we have a lot more to talk about. So hopefully you get a chance to have you guys back on. And I really appreciate you guys being here today. All right, so before we go, something we've, we've talked about quite a bit over this episode that kind of got me excited. Lisa, can you just give us, a, let's say, how about three more little crazy adventures that you've been on? So Kim, Leah, and I can all be jealous as we <laughs> listen to them. <laughs> well, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm fortunate to get to go some really cool places and put some hands on some really cool animals. And so you touched on it earlier, O-Search and White Sharks. I mean, the ultimate of the sharks in terms of, of their perception, maybe as being ferocious. But my experience with white sharks is they're quite shy species and they have a lot to teach us. Um, there's a lot that's not known about them. And so getting to be out on a boat in the middle of the North Atlantic and catching these big animals, bringing them on board, and then being able to collect the variety of research samples to answer questions geared toward their conservation is just amazing. It's an amazing feat. And when people see those pictures, they're always shocked that um, we get to do that kind of stuff with that species. So that's one, that one's pretty cool. Spotted eagle rays, they're one of my favorites. Um, you know, anything with polka dots, I love. So getting to spend time in beautiful Sarasota, catching these very beautiful, graceful animals and, and learning more about their diet. And then the part that I'm really proud about is bringing that information back here to George Aquarium and working with Kim and Leah is to then adjust some of the diets that we feed our animals here based on what we know about them in the wild. A lot of, of the species we have here, we just need more research on them to, to fine tune and get better at animal care. So that's in one instance where I've been able to bring our field research back in-house. And that's very exciting to me. That helps tie the programs together quite nicely. And I guess baby tiger sharks, I mean, come on, right? The little stripy, cute little little guys. Um, we get to do baby tiger shark stuff in the Bahamas with some of our, our colleagues there and uh, adorable. What more can I say? I can honestly admit that they're adorable, they're adorable. as well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, And I can also say too, if you ever need any help, you know where my office is. You're on uh, the list. I, I have a, uh, yeah, I have a passport with no stamps in it. I'm, I'm here for you, doc. Just let me know. All right. So everyone at home, thank you guys all for tuning in on our next episode. It's our most dramatic episode yet. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you next time. Life Below the Surface is presented by Carriage Kia in Woodstock. Carriage is the official car dealership of Georgia Aquarium and Georgia's leading Kia dealer. Service, community, and education are hallmarks of Carriage Kia in Woodstock. When it's time for you to lease or purchase your new vehicle, we hope you'll consider Carriage Kia in Woodstock. Check them out 24-7 at carriagekiawoodstock.com. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that... We thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Life Below the Surface. If you did, please leave us a review and share this episode with your friends. Also, please tell us which topics you would like us to cover in future episodes. Send us a message in the comments or on any of Georgia Aquarium's social media channels. I'll see you in the next episode.